Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Nature's deadliest organisms. I couldn't believe there was something living inside of me. They can hijack our bodies. He was kind of talking in a way that that didn't make a lot of sense. Disable our immune systems. There was something inside of her wrapping itself around her and choking the life out of her. And eat us from within. He said that he didn't think he'd make it through the night. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Sacramento, California is home to married couple Dan Ortiz and Jen McGarry. I met my wife back in high school. We've been together 16 years now. Dan is very loving and always there to try to make sure you're okay. The couple enjoys spending time with Dan's family, particularly his little brother, Louise. Growing up, Louise was the golden child. He was extremely smart. He did well in school. And he was also a semi-professional skateboarder. Louise is like Dan's pride. I've never seen two people so bonded, even though they're so different. He really is very much one of Dan's favorite people in the world. I've always tried to look out for him as much as I can when I'm with him. But this family's tight bond is about to face the ultimate test. One fall morning, Dan is visiting with his father. I've always tried to go visit my dad on the weekends. He loves uh, to hang out. Around 11 a.m., Louise arrives home from skateboarding with friends. Dan is surprised that his brother has returned so soon. They normally are out for a couple hours. I think he was only out for maybe an hour and a half. He felt like he was really dehydrated and that he had a bit of a headache. Louise explains that he'd been having a hard time concentrating on skateboarding. He couldn't land just the basic kickflips and nothing that someone of his caliber should, you know, have to think about. 
Louise has a glass of water and promises to take it easy the rest of the day. Then that evening, Dan goes to check on him. He's got his hands over his head and I ask him if he's all right. He said he was wincing. He said the lights are hurting his head and he was in an incredible amount of pain. I didn't know what to think. It seemed like he was having a migraine. Migraines are pulsing headaches that usually affect one side of the head or face. They often cause fatigue, nausea, and extreme sensitivity to light. Luis says he wants to take a hot shower to ease his pain. But then Dan watches as his brother's condition takes another bizarre turn. On his way into the bathroom, Luis vomits on himself. And then he proceeded to get even more ill. He threw up three, maybe four times. So I go to check on him, and then he just collapsed. It was unresponsive. We don't know what's wrong with him, and we didn't know what to do. My dad decided, you know, let's take him to the hospital. Dan and his father pick Louise up and take him to the nearest emergency room. I was panicked. I had no idea what to expect. When Dan told me that his brother had collapsed, I, I felt, you know, my heart in my throat. I was scared. At the hospital, Dan watches helplessly as Louise fades in and out of consciousness. He woke up for just like a little bit. He was kind of talking in a way that, that didn't make a lot of sense. His, his words were garbled. The emergency room staff's first thought is that the young man might have overdosed. But a toxicology screen of Louise's blood finds no drugs in his system. It leaves the medical staff concerned that he could be suffering from a serious neurological condition. So they order an x-ray of his skull. They found that he had an immense amount of pressure built up in his head. They said it was around three times more than a normal person has. Luis's doctors say the compression is being caused by a condition called hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus is a buildup of cerebral fluid in the brain. The mounting pressure cuts off blood flow and can be caused by traumatic head injury, infection, or tumors. But the source of Luis's condition is still a mystery. Around 3 a.m., Jen arrives at the hospital just as doctors are explaining the severity of Louise's condition to the rest of the family. The doctor sat us down and said that Louise had literally like a water balloon in the middle of his brain. That's how much fluid had built up. This amount of intracranial pressure was really dangerous. He said he would be surprised if he made it through the night. With Louise in critical condition, his case is taken over by neurologist Dr. Soren Single. When I first saw Louise, he was close to being dead from brain herniation. Dr. Single has an idea about what might be causing Louise's hydrocephalus. The suspicion was that there was an obstruction somewhere along the path of that cerebrospinal fluid. To confirm his theory, a CT scan is ordered. There was a small, bright object at the site where the cerebrospinal fluid usually leaves the center of the brain to go down to the brainstem. 
an obstruction of this part of the brain is often a tumor. In order to take a closer look at the object, Dr. Single uses an MRI, and the results are distressing. The MRI scan of Louise's brain showed a cyst, a water-filled structure, which had the shape of a snowman. Inside the belly of the snowman, there was a structure which had a different color. There was practically only one diagnosis in our consideration. A bizarre neurological condition has left Louise Ortiz in a critical state. Now, Dr. Soren Single has discovered something shocking inside the young man's brain. The MRI scan of Louise's brain showed a cyst, a water-filled structure, and inside that cyst, we saw a tapeworm. The pork tapeworm, also known as Tinea solium, infects both humans and pigs. Inside Louise's brain, the tapeworm sits in a protective cyst. As it grows, the cyst blocks the flow of fluid around the brain, causing a buildup in pressure and leading to Louise's crippling headaches, confusion, and loss of consciousness. I was completely shocked that he would have a tapeworm in his, in his brain. I mean, who actually ever expects that? This is not something that occurs on a daily basis. So it is definitely one of those situations that are the most unexpected reality or real moments that you're ever going to experience. Most people associate tapeworms with the intestines, but tapeworm larvae can also get into the bloodstream. And when that happens, the larvae protect themselves from the immune system by encasing their bodies in a hard, impenetrable cyst. Sometimes those cysts find their way into the brain, where they become lodged in cerebral tissue, causing seizures, paralysis, and even death. And then, Dr. Single has even more bad news for the family. Since the tapeworm is located in the center of Louise's brain, removing it could kill him. One has to be very careful not to rupture the cyst, which could then dislodge the tapeworm. Once the worm escapes, there will be no way to retrieve that worm and it may actually take the patient's life, ultimately. That's not something you want. Not for the, the bratty kid brother that you love to death, that you pick on, that you look for, that you literally protect like he's yours. A few hours later, Dr. Single begins the risky procedure. The tool we use is a neuroendoscope, which is a camera and a small forceps on a very small but very long tubular instrument. I advance the camera and the working tools through the skin, through the skull bone, and into the center of the brain. Dr. Single slowly moves the endoscope towards the cyst, conscious that one wrong move could end Louise's life. I then utilized small forceps to work the cyst away from the brain structures once I had trapped the cyst against the endoscope, I carefully removed the endoscope while holding on to the cyst. The endoscope came out of the brain in one 
peace without breaking the system. It was just the best possible situation to the worst possible situation in the world. And I'm really thankful that it turned out the way it did. The next day, Louise's cranial pressure has subsided and doctors are able to bring him out of the coma. When he woke up, it was like every Christmas you've had from the time you were born all compiled into one moment. I remember waking up not knowing what was going on. They told me what happened and how it came about, and I was just kind of surprised that a tapeworm was lodged in my brain. And by the time they found out, I was probably like 30 minutes away from dying. Most people contract a tapeworm after eating raw or undercooked pork, but there's another way to get one. When an adult tapeworm reaches maturity in the intestine, it begins to lay eggs which are shed through the feces. If an infected person uses the toilet and doesn't properly wash their hands, they can spread tapeworm eggs to everything they touch, including food. They told me I could have got the tapeworm from eating unwashed fruits or, sa or a salad I ate that wasn't properly washed. Today, Louise is grateful to be alive and for the support of his loved ones. I'm really lucky. I had a room full of my family every single night I was at the hospital. There was not one day that the room was empty. Even though my brother doesn't like it, every time I see him now, I walk up and give him a hug. He may fight it, he may act grumpy, but I think somewhere down inside, he kind of enjoys me giving him a hug. Although most tapeworm infestations of the brain occur in developing nations, it's a growing problem in the United States. One study estimates that there are about 5,000 new cases every year. To avoid infection, the CDC recommends that people wash their hands with warm water and soap after using the toilet or changing diapers and before handling food. But while parasitic invaders like the pork tapeworm enter our bodies, other monsters already lurk within us, just waiting to attack. I hit the ground pretty hard. I knew that something was, was seriously wrong. Twenty-one-year-old Sam Kavetsky is a junior at North Carolina State University in Raleigh. I'm majoring in applied mathematics. I love it down here. I like to hang out with my friends and we usually either grab a bite to eat or just try and get away from things in between classes. Although Sam has a busy life on campus, he still makes time to connect with his parents and is especially close with his mom, Susan. Sam has always been my buddy. We've just always had this really close bond. He's very intellectual, very thoughtful. He's always concerned about my feelings. I text my mom every single day, good morning, good night, a major event that happened to me throughout the day. Sam also bonds with his older brother, Jack, over their shared love of sports. Growing up, we would play hockey, we played football. You, you name the sport, we played it, and we just had a blast. But these strong family ties are about to be severed by a silent assassin. It's one of the first mornings of a new semester at NC State. Sam wakes to get ready for class and notices that he feels under the weather. I noticed my throat is really dry and scratchy. I felt like I was just thirsty. And I got a bottle of water before I hopped in the shower. 
but afterwards, Sam can still feel the irritation in his throat. So he looks in the mirror. I shine the flashlight on my phone into my mouth, and I can see it like a white film on the back of my throat and a, a white patch on the right side of my throat. It, it wasn't something that immediately caused me for concern. I thought it might have been allergies. I finished getting ready, and then I head off to class. Throughout the day, Sam's sore throat gets worse. And then, later that evening, he's plagued by a new symptom. I feel like I can't really get comfortable. I would fall asleep, but I would wake up less than an hour later because I was freezing cold. So I would put a bunch of blankets on and then try and go back to sleep, but then I would wake up less than an hour later because I was profusely sweating. Sam spends the entire night tossing and turning. So in the morning, he decides to get checked out at the student health center. She thinks that I probably have mono. Mononucleosis, or mono, is a flu-like condition caused by the Epstein-Barr virus. It's common amongst college-age individuals, and symptoms include sore throat, fatigue, and fever. The doctor tells me that it takes about like a week and a half to even two weeks for mono to show up in, in your blood. So she told me to sleep it off for a week, and if I still felt sick the following week, to come back and they'll retest me for mono again. I start thinking that I just need to, to take the day off. As Sam heads back to his dorm, he checks in with his mom. Sam texted me to tell me that they thought he may have mono. So I thought, okay, we'll deal with that. For the rest of the day and night, Sam rests up. By the next morning, he still feels sick, but decides to head to class anyway. I had a calculus class that I really had to go to. But as Sam makes his way across campus, everything suddenly comes to a grinding halt. I sort of get like a, a rush of exhaustion and lose my balance and I fall over. I hit the ground pretty hard. It was honestly kind of scary because I had never fainted before. I was probably on the ground for about like 30 seconds. I knew that something was, was seriously wrong. For the past few days, college student Sam Kavetsky has had a sore throat and fever he thought were symptoms of mono. But after passing out on his way to class, he realizes that his condition may be more severe. Sam calls his mom to tell her that his illness is getting worse. Right then and there, I knew this was more than just the flu, more than just mono, and that he needed uh, to get to the emergency room. Sam takes his mother's advice and heads for the ER. There, doctors believe his symptoms are consistent with a viral infection. But when they screen his blood for common pathogens, the results come up empty. I tested negative for, for strep again. I tested negative for the flu. I tested negative for mono. With no clear diagnosis, doctors tell Sam he'll need to stay in the hospital while they run more tests. Being in the hospital is definitely kind of like an, an eerie feeling. But I kept thinking, well, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But later that night, Sam realizes that he's anything but fine. They wanted to keep track of how much I was going to the bathroom, so I had to go to the bathroom in, in a little container. So I sat up and I leaned over, and it was extremely painful to, to try and go to the bathroom. But when Sam is finally able to urinate, he's met with a horrifying sight. 
the pee was almost brown. It looked almost like iced tea. Doctors send the urine to the lab for testing, and a short time later come back with some alarming news. They told me that my kidneys are failing and they, they don't know how to, how to get it under control. Kidney failure can be life-threatening, so the medical staff immediately transfers Sam to the intensive care unit. The nurse called and said that they were moving him to ICU. That elevated the concern, and um, we just couldn't get down there fast enough. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Sharks have been the subject of lore and legend for centuries. A lot of what we think is shark fact is actually shark fiction. Shark Week, the podcast from Discovery Channel, shreds through those stories and separates fact from fiction. I'm your host, Kasha Patel. In every episode, I will tell you an imaginary story. After the story, we rip up and reveal the scientific truths of these fishy tales. Listen to Shark Week, the podcast from Discovery Channel, wherever you get your podcasts. In the ICU, Sam's case is taken over by a team of doctors, including Dr. Douglas Holmes. So Sam was clearly uh, a sick young man. His kidneys were being damaged by his illness. That set the alarm bells off that there's a really significant issue here. The medical team has no idea what has caused Sam's kidneys to fail. But as they start investigating, they're faced with another problem. All of a sudden, I felt like I couldn't really take like a, a deep breath. It was all just really short, shallow breaths. I'm taking as deep of a breath as I can, but it, it feels like I'm getting no oxygen. I'm almost panting because I'm, I'm out of breath. The medical staff works to stabilize Sam's respiration. They gave me uh, an oxygen mask, kind of like a, a scuba mask, just to try and get as much oxygen as possible. But within minutes, Sam can no longer breathe on his own. So the medical staff hook him up to a ventilator and place him in a coma. We were all very, very discouraged at how sick he was. And frankly, many, many people did not think that he had a chance to make it, that he was going to die. Doctors order another round of blood tests, this time screening for more exotic pathogens. But it will take several days for the results to come in. In the meantime, Sam's family arrives at the hospital. It's just a shocking feeling. Here's this young, healthy 19-year-old boy hooked up to monitors and he just looks so pale. 
When I saw Sam for the first time, it just broke my heart. It was, I have never seen him like that before. It was definitely tough. Finally, the results of Sam's most recent blood tests come in. Immediately, the medical staff notices something that shouldn't be there. We have a bacteria, and it looks like an anaerobe bacteria. An anaerobe is a bacteria that doesn't require oxygen to grow. This type of bacteria usually indicates a very specific problem. It's very, very commonly found uh, in an abscess cavity. An abscess is a pus-filled cavity that forms within the body when a bacterial infection eats through tissue. If left untreated, it can spread infection to the vital organs, leading to death. To get rid of Sam's abscess, doctors must first locate it. We've got an abscess somewhere. We gotta find it. To locate it, the medical team performs a series of upper body CAT scans. His lungs were scanned and his neck was scanned. And lo and behold, they found the abscess cavity right next to his tonsil. Not only did they find that, they saw that on the contrasted scan that there is a vessel there that was thrombosed, meaning that it was full of clot. Dr. Holmes knows the location of the abscess and the clotted blood vessel point to one diagnosis. Sam Kavetsky had Lemire syndrome. Lemire's syndrome is a rare but life-threatening infection in the throat. Lemire's syndrome is caused by Fusobacterium necroforum, a bacteria that is terrifying for one simple reason. It lives inside the mouth of every person on the planet. Inside Sam's neck, the Fusobacteria have carved an abscess so deep it's eaten into the surrounding blood vessel. There, blood clots form, then break off traveling to Sam's lungs and kidneys, where they infect the organs, leading to Sam's rapidly deteriorating condition. Lemire syndrome is extremely hard to detect and treat. The early stages of the disease are often mistaken for more common ailments, like strep throat or the flu. And in many cases, once it's diagnosed, the infected clots have already ravaged the internal organs, meaning it's too late to save the patient. Sam is put on a powerful antibiotic. But Dr. Holmes knows that he will not get better until the source of the infected blood clots is removed. We're going to go in and we're going to drain the abscess and I'm going to tie off this vessel and hopefully this is going to be the key for him to be able to recover. A few hours later, Dr. Holmes begins the complicated surgery. His first step is to slice open the abscess. Pus just squirts out. And this pus is like a dirty dishwater appearance. After that was clear, you open up the cavity real wide, suction it out, get some uh, water or some saline solution and irrigate it out real well to clean it out. After the surgery, Sam remains on life support while his lungs slowly heal. We were living minute to minute and um just praying. All we could do was pray that he would get better. For two weeks, Sam's family keeps a constant vigil at his bedside. I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know if he was going to make it to tomorrow. And not knowing is probably the worst. The doctors kept saying, we're waiting for him to turn the corner. We're waiting for him to turn the corner. 
And we heard that every day. And we kept waiting for that corner. Then one morning, the moment they've been hoping for finally arrives. We went into the room and we walked in and he had his eyes open and he was looking at us. And I said, Sammy, you're awake. And um, he smiled. When I saw my mom, I I could see by the look on her face that I was gonna be okay. Every year, Lemire syndrome affects about one in 70,000 adolescents and young adults. Scientists aren't totally sure why the normally benign fusobacterium infects the throat, but some believe it happens after another illness, like strep throat, damages the mucus lining around the tonsils, making them vulnerable to penetration. After several weeks of therapy, Sam is finally able to leave the hospital. Today, he is fully recovered and is finishing his studies at NC State. I'm looking forward to graduating college and sort of moving on to the next stage of my life. But now, I feel like I'm ready to take on the world. He's doing great. You know, he he tries to get into the gym every day, and he's as healthy as he's ever been. Sam has an inner strength that is beyond words. He wasn't ready to leave this earth. He, He has a whole list of things that he wants to do with his life. Lemire syndrome is a deadly condition, but if it's caught early, the survival rate is nearly 95%. It's recommended that people with a sore throat that lasts longer than a week, combined with a fever of 101 or higher, seek medical attention. The onset of conditions like Lemire syndrome can be terrifyingly quick. But other diseases wreak suffering in a more painstaking manner. This healthy, vibrant girl was writhing in the seat like somebody had beat her with a baseball bat. Jessica Hodgson is from the northeastern community of Bangor, Maine. I am a very upbeat person, very positive, very energetic. I liked to do a lot of things like writing and playing music. Jessica works as a paralegal and lives near her parents. She's especially tight with her mother, Judy. My relationship with Jessica has been close since she was a little one, but it's grown over time. My mom is one of my really close friends. She's always there for me no matter what happens. Two thousand ten. Jessica is a freshman at Columbia International University in South Carolina. I was loving every minute of my college endeavor, and I was very excited for what was to come. One fall day, Jessica is studying for an upcoming test. I'd been at college for about a month, and I was in my dorm room like any other day. I'm usually a very upbeat and positive person. Not much gets under my skin, but then like a crazy wave of emotions hit me and I started crying. Something was not right. So Jessica picks up the phone to call her mom. Jessica is usually very happy, bright, even keeled. And so for her to be sad and not know why was very unusual. To be honest, I thought that she was just having trouble adjusting. I reassured her that everything was gonna be fine. Jessica writes off the incident. But a couple of days later, she's in the exam hall when she's hit by another strange sensation. I sat down to take the test and I struggled to understand the questions and remember the answers. 
It was a very easy class for me, and it was surprising that it was so challenging. So to have an easy class turn into a hard one made me think that there might be something, something wrong with me. Jessica muddles through the test the best she can. But the following week, she wakes in the middle of the night to a disturbing new symptom. It was about three or four o'clock in the morning when I woke up, feeling such severe pain in my chest. It was a tightness that turned a little sharp, and it was spreading up and down. I had no idea what was going on, and I was scared. College student Jessica Hodston is suffering from severe chest pains. Scared that she might have a serious illness, she phones her mother, Judy. I offered to come down. I offered to fly her home. I thought that that was too much, too fast. Um, and she said, okay, I'll, I won't come down, but you need to go to the doctor's first thing in the morning. And I said, that, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll go to the doctor's and get their opinion. First thing the next day, Jessica goes to the closest urgent care center. The doctor did a quick exam. He asked me if I had been in a car accident, had tripped, had done anything that would cause me to have an inflammation reaction in my chest. I told him that I didn't remember doing anything, and he told me to take over-the-counter pain relievers and said I should recover on my own. I fully believed him and was relieved to hear that it would heal on its own. But then, about a month after her first symptoms started, Jessica is watching TV when her condition takes a frightening turn. And all of a sudden, I was incredibly nauseous. And I rushed to the sink. Almost instantly, I threw up. When I looked into the sink, I was shocked. I saw blood. That was the moment that I knew that there was something wrong with me, and it was not small, and it was not going away on its own. I felt a sense of dread. Once again, Jessica calls her mom. I could hear pain in her voice. Mom, I just threw up, and I think there was blood in it, and I'm scared. I had no idea what was wrong with her, but I knew she couldn't be 20-plus hours away anymore. I needed to get her where I could help. Believing her daughter will get better medical care at home, Judy insists Jessica find someone to take her to the airport right away. I was disappointed to be leaving college, but very anxious to get to people that could help me and take care of me. A few hours later, Judy picks Jessica up at the airport and on the drive home, it soon becomes clear that Jessica's condition is even worse than Judy thought. I could tell she was in a tremendous amount of pain. She was thrashing about in the car. It was much worse than I had originally thought. This healthy, strong, bright, vibrant girl that I had sent to college was coming back to me, writhing in the seat like somebody had beat her with a baseball bat. Rather than go home, Judy decides to take her straight to the ER. The doctor came in and immediately examined Jess, and I explained that she was complaining of pain in her chest, that my biggest concern was that she had thrown up blood. The doctors run Jessica through a barrage of tests. They attached um, monitors to her chest, and they drew blood. They did a CAT scan. They did an X-ray. Later that day, the doctor arrives with an explanation. The doctor came in the room and said she thought she knew what was wrong with Jess. She said based on her physical symptoms, she suspected that Jessica had costochondritis. 
Costochondritis is a condition that occurs when the cartilage connecting the ribs to the sternum becomes inflamed. Pain might mimic that of a heart attack or other heart conditions. It's a common cause of chest pain, but thankfully, in most cases, it will eventually resolve on its own. The diagnosis did seem to make sense with the symptoms that she was having. The doctor said it's extremely painful and can take a long time to resolve. The best they could do was say, take it easy and take muscle relaxants, anti-inflammatories, be as comfortable as you can while the worst of it passes. I was relieved beyond measure that there was nothing wrong with my heart. Knowing it could take months for her to recover, Jessica drops out of college and enrolls in classes closer to home in Maine. I knew that I could not live on my own and it was the only decision to make. Jessica is hopeful things will soon be back to normal. My positive, upbeat personality kept telling me, hey, it'll be fine, you'll recover. This is not supposed to be a forever thing. But as the months roll on, her nausea, night sweats, and crippling chest pain only get worse. I was exhausted. I was weak. I was in a lot of pain. It was pretty bad. I didn't really leave my house. I felt hopeless. I felt frustrated. I was crying quite a bit. At that point, I was sure the diagnosis couldn't be correct. I felt like there was something inside of her wrapping itself around her and choking the life out of her. And I was desperate to get her help. For the past several months, Jessica Hodgson's life has been turned upside down by a mysterious illness. Now, her mother Judy takes matters into her own hands. She searches high and low for any way to help her daughter, and she eventually finds Dr. Kenneth Liegner. When I first saw Jessica, she was quite debilitated and unable to function. She had nausea, she had drenching night sweats. She was in a great deal of pain. Dr. Liegner orders a broad range of tests. We usually will do a blood and urine testing, looking for evidence of uh, some simmering chronic infection or inflammatory state. And when the results come back, they're startling. Jessica isn't suffering from a chest condition. Instead, her body has been taken over by a dangerous parasite. Jessica was infected with babesiosis. Babesiosis is a disease caused by the parasite Babesia duncani. Inside Jessica's body, the Babesia parasites travel through her bloodstream and invade her red blood cells. There, they reproduce and cause the cells to burst. As the parasites continue to multiply, Jessica's oxygen levels decrease, resulting in her extreme fatigue, fluctuating body temperature, and debilitating pain. I couldn't believe there was something living inside of me. It was creepy to know there was something inside of her that was making her sick. Babesiosis is difficult to diagnose because its wide range of symptoms can easily be mistaken for many other illnesses. This gives the parasite ample time to take over the body. And if it's not caught, babesiosis can attack the respiratory system, cause kidney failure, and ultimately, death. Dr. Liegner knows he's in a race against the clock. Babesiosis can spread quite rapidly. So he starts Jessica on an aggressive course of specialized antiparasitic medication called malarone. 
It can be difficult to treat because it's a, a deep-seated infection. Within a few months, Jessica's condition starts to improve. First thing I noticed was that the night sweats were gone. And then I started to sleep a little bit better and my emotions stabilized. I definitely felt like I had turned a corner. But she's left to wonder how she got infected with the Babesia parasite. Babesia parasites are most commonly found in deer ticks in the northeastern United States. Humans become hosts when they get bitten by an infected tick. Once the parasite is inside the human body, it can lay dormant for months or even years before surfacing and wreaking havoc. Jessica believes she contracted babesiosis when she was a kid. I remember one time having a bad bite. I think I was seven or eight. At the time, I had no idea what it was, but looking back, I think it was then that I got bit by the tick. Today, although Jessica still requires medication, she has made tremendous progress. Every one of my symptoms has, has gotten better. I'm amazed by the progress that I've made. I can do almost anything that I want to do. I was able to graduate college with straight A's. I have a job, I've been able to buy my own home, which is amazing. Jessica has learned how to manage this wonderfully. That vibrant girl that I sent to South Carolina it is back and is like a girl on fire. I am so proud of her. On a scale of one to 10, I think it's a uh, hundred. I don't think I could have gone through this without my mom. I can't imagine going through it without her. If you find a tick, it's important that you remove it immediately. The CDC advises grasping it with tweezers as close to the skin as possible and pulling it out slowly. After removing the tick, thoroughly clean the area and wash your hands with rubbing alcohol or soap and water. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.